Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And Revelation 5, 9 through 10. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on earth. Let's pray. Father, into your hands we offer ourselves this morning and we ask you to fill our hearts with your spirit. We ask you to prepare us to receive your word this morning. We ask that you would come with power and with might and with the fullness of your spirit upon every one and, uh, each and every one of us. Lord, we ask that your word would be anointed this morning, that you would make it clear that you would open the ears of our hearts to understand it, that we may see things that we've never seen before, understand things that we've never seen or understood before, that you would teach us and reveal things to us. We completely put our trust in the Holy Spirit and in his powerful work among us to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we are going to finish up our talk on the church. This is the finale. And we're going to talk about the the victory and the triumph of the church. And I trust that this message this morning will absolutely uh, change everything about your outlook for yourself, for the church, and for the future. Luke, is this... Buzz able to go away at all, or thank you. The Apostle Paul wrote, We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. In this world, we who are in the church, in other words, we who are believers in Jesus Christ, we live in this tension. We feel hard-pressed by trials and by life and by Satan himself. We feel perplexed over the apparent success of wickedness and worldliness, even as it infiltrates and seduces the church. At times, we are struck down and humiliated and hurt. But there is another side too. We are not crushed, and we never will be. We are not in despair, and we never should be. We are not destroyed, and we never can be. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ himself promised that the gates of hell or Hades itself shall not, cannot, will not 
prevail against us. Jesus spoke this promise to his disciples when they were in a state of confusion over his rejection by the Jews. He saw their broken hearts. He saw their disbelief as he told them that he must suffer things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and that he must be killed. So he said to them, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not overcome it. As if to say to his disciples, I know it doesn't look very hopeful right now. I know things aren't happening the way you thought they would. I know that things look like they are not working out for us well at all. But I will build my church and nothing will stand in the way. We know with certainty that the church will be built. Because Jesus said it would, and he is God, and God cannot lie. The victory of the church does not depend on you or me, or on any individual church or pastor, or upon the support of any human government. It is not even dependent upon having religious liberties like we have here in the United States or not. It is being built by the invincible power of Jesus Christ. And what a great comfort that is. He himself has totally underwritten the victory and triumph of the church. There's been an already in history, we have already seen an, an amazing fulfillment. It's a partial fulfillment, but we have already seen an amazing fulfillment of Jesus' promise. When Jesus prophesied the creation and triumph of the church, you have to remember there were only 12 disciples and the church did not even exist, not even in anyone's mind. John Chrysostom said that the spreading of the church to the whole world in such a brief period of time is the best proof that Jesus Christ was God. He said, it is impossible for the spreading of Christianity to the whole universe in such a brief period of time to be a human work. Christ managed this without using weapons, without money, without armies, and without wars. He managed this with only 12 followers who were unimportant and uneducated. They were simple and poor men and spoke without eloquence. Eloquence. They spoke a different language from all others. But with these 12 men, the church was built and spread to the ends of the universe. With such followers, he managed to convince the pagans to think correctly, not only about this present life, but also about the future life. He managed to tear men away from the easy life and to lead him to the difficult life. People who were slaves of sin were led to a higher life. Men everywhere agreed to scorn all that they had received from their fathers and grandfathers, from the philosophers and the orators. They abandoned idols and sacrifices which their forefathers had worshipped. Now all the countries and all the cities, the desert and the inhabited areas, all confess the crucified one. Kings and generals, rulers and councils, slaves and free the uneducated and the educated, barbarians and the various nations of people, 
all believe in him. That was written about 350 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. That was how rapidly the church was built by Jesus. If you are part of the church, and you are if you have placed your faith and confidence and trust in Jesus Christ to save you and forgive your sins, then you are part of something. You are part of an assembly built by Him that will never fall apart. The church of Jesus Christ will always remain and always be successful and victorious. But this victory is won through much conflict and through much opposition. In the first 300 years of the church, the church suffered 10 great persecutions. There were 10 attempts to wipe Christianity off the face of the earth. Christians were fed to wild animals. They were killed in the Roman arenas for entertainment. They were torn apart. They were tortured. They were burned. Greg Laurie said, The Roman Empire Diocletian thought he was so successful at eradicating Christianity that he actually had a commemorative coin struck with the words, The Christian religion is destroyed and the worship of the Roman gods is restored. But as Greg Laurie said, things didn't turn out as well as Diocletian thought because the church marches on, and what is left of Rome? Just ruins. But again, I say this victory is through suffering. Late in the first century, John the Apostle was exiled to the remote island of Patmos. He wrote the book of Revelation there, really, as a prisoner. All the other apostles were executed. The letters in Revelation to the local churches toward the end of the first century, reveal the evidence of this persecution. In these letters, Jesus said to the churches, I know your affliction. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison. You will suffer persecution. Be faithful even to the point of death. Antipas, my faithful witness, was put to death in your city where Satan lives. You sense the danger. You sense the opposition, the persecution, where people are even even put being put to death. Jesus speaks to the churches and he says, you know, Satan lives right there among you. I know the danger that you are in. In the book of Revelation, we see those who are beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus. There is the beast who was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. John wrote, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. This doesn't sound like easy street at all, does it? Paul himself said, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, 
without love, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. What an accurate description of our own culture and sadly describes even much of the church today. We see churches that claim to be alive but are dead. We see churches that tolerate sin and worldliness and even boast about it. So you would think that with the church facing this kind of reality, both externally and internally, we should feel very discouraged. You would think that we should even sound defeated or look defeated or perhaps even be defeated. But not one of the apostles expressed that kind of attitude. And certainly we do not find that from Jesus. Even while in exile, John looked, looked down through the centuries with the eye of faith and saw not a church trampled and defeated, but a victorious, joyful, reigning church, worshiping the Lamb around the throne forever and ever. The theme of the book of Revelation is the, vic- the victory of Christ and His church. It's a vision of victory for the church. It's a vision of our victory over Satan and all who in any way have joined with him and support his cause. The goal of the book of Revelation is to comfort the church in our struggle against the forces of evil. The theme is to show us That things are not as they seem. The beast seems to be victorious. But in reality it is the believers who triumph. Satan seems to win. But it is is the church who will reign on the earth. And with Christ for a thousand years. And in the new heavens. And in the new earth forever and ever. All those who seem to be conquerors of God's people and God's truth. Go down in defeat. Absolute, total, and a final defeat. Revelation 17, 14. They will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And with Him will be His called, chosen, and faithful followers. They shall conquer too. Through every calamity, through every persecution, the final outcome of all things will be triumph for the church and for the saints. Every enemy of Christ and his church will be defeated. Satan, the beast, the false prophet, all are thrown into the lake of fire burning with sulfur. Unrepentant mankind, persecutors of the church, the world system, with its worldly values and with all its hatred for God's commandments, all these are seen to be completely defeated and crushed by the overwhelming victory of God and Christ. I'm going to read several passages from the book of Revelation. I'm not going to try to exposit the book of Revelation, but I'm going to give you this total or this sense of total victory that we read on nearly every page of this book. And it is to sink into our minds and our hearts and our consciousness and our outlook. 
Revelation 5, 5. Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of David, has triumphed. Jesus Christ has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls. John sees into heaven and he sees a totally triumphant, victorious Christ. Verse 9 of the same chapter. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God and they will reign on the earth. Again, looking down through the ages into heaven, John sees the church that Jesus promised to build And this church is filled with men and women from every people group, from every language, from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, from all over the world. Men who were purchased with the blood of Jesus. When Jesus said, I will build my church, it's like we see into the future and we see that it is built for sure. And not with just a few, but multitudes from everywhere in every place, in every culture, in every nation. And the church is not defeated and beaten. It is reigning with Christ. They will reign on the earth. Verse 11, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory forever and ever. In the end, it will not be the athletes and the actors and the rock singers and the rich who receive glory. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, will be the only one in that day. The pride of man, as it says in Isaiah, will be abased totally. And the Lord will be the only one in that day. He will be the only one who receives honor and glory and praise. All the glory will go to the Lamb. All the glory and honor will go to Jesus, our Savior. All the glory and honor will go to Jesus, our Lord. The one we love and serve will be king. And we will reign with him. Revelation seven sixteen and 17. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the spring of living water and God himself will wipe every tear from their eyes. Again, John sees the church totally safe, totally secure, totally happy in Christ or with Christ in heaven in this state of total victory. And again, you see the picture here with Jesus, him shepherding us, satisfying us forever with living water. And and God Himself wiping away our tears. I don't know if you've ever had anybody wipe away your tears. Maybe a mother or perhaps your spouse 
someone who really deeply cared about you. But in heaven, God himself, it says, will wipe away our tears and we will be safe, happy and secure. Revelation eleven fifteen, And there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, has come. A day of judgment is coming, a final day of coming, a day of reward. A day when the authority and the great power of the Lord is fully and finally manifested in heaven and on earth and indeed the entire universe. And we, with, along with the 24 elders, will worship God and give thanks to him for that in a state of complete and total victory. Revelation 12.10, Then I heard a voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ. You know, just note the words. The words of salvation, power, and authority. I mean, these are words of absolute victory. 17.13, which we read earlier, it it talks in here about the ten kings who will receive uh, authority for one hour with the beast. They will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. The idea is no matter who opposes the Lamb, the Lamb will overcome. Our Lord, the one we love and serve, will overcome. I find that that, that just so comforting. Revelation 19.1, And I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to God. For true and just are His judgments. Verse 6, Hallelujah! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. The fact that, that we will see manifest this complete authority and victory of God and of, and of Christ is going to be such a cause for, for rejoicing. I mean, we are going to be so glad. We are going to, uh, we're just, we're going to be part of this great multitude. It says we will shout together. We will make such a roar as you have never heard before. And I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah. Salvation, glory, and honor, and power belong to God. You know, we won't be singing in that day. We won't be singing just, Sing Hallelujah to the Lamb. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But we are going to shout Hallelujah with a roar, with a deafening roar. Maybe we should practice that right now. I mean, I know we can't get even, but I mean, some of you guys have been in sports events. I remember being at the, the, the Sweet 16 in Detroit in, back in 2000 when, when ISU 
uh, played Michigan State, which which everybody said really was the final the 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 game that decided the the NCAA champion that year. And I tell you, the roar was deafening. I mean, it 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 vibrated, it penetrated your your being. I mean, you didn't just hear it; you felt it. You felt it go through your body, and that's what I envision here when we are shouting hallelujah. And it says it's like the roar of a great multitude. Let's just, let's just try it. This isn't part of the message, but let's just try it. Let's just, let's just sing hallelujah, or shout, not sing, shout hallelujah. And let, let's just say hallelujah. Let's say hallelujah three times. And then we'll sing salvation, glory, and honor, and power belong to God. Hallelujah! 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 Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to God. And we're going to do that with a roar because we will see the complete victory that we have through our God who reigns. I wonder what that will sound like on the recorded message. (laughs) Revelation 19.11, one of my... my most favorite passages in Revelation gives me goosebumps when I read it. I saw heaven open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And who is that? Jesus. Jesus is awesome in power and authority. There is nothing weak about Jesus at all. And every knee will bow and acknowledge that he is Lord. Revelation ends with those whose names are written in the book of life. In the new heavens... And the new earth, the throne of God and of the Lamb, it says, will be in that city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign with him forever and ever. Victory on every page. I mean, I've... I've just shared maybe 2% of the statements of of this out-and-out victory that we have through Jesus Christ. The Lord's triumph is complete. It is utter triumph. And it is with His saints again and again and again. It is not only the Lamb who overcomes. It is not only the Lamb of God who reigns. But again and again we see and They, the church, believers, his faithful followers will reign with him forever and ever. We are victorious because Christ himself is 
victorious. We follow a mighty and an awesome Lord God in our Savior Jesus Christ. I have four applications for us this morning. Number one, come to Christ to be released from your sins this morning if you have not already. If there is anyone here this morning who is without the Lord as your Savior, you are heading down a path of destruction and defeat, and you cannot win against God. The Lord will win. And the good news is that God so loved you that he made a plan to send his son so that through believing in him, you might not perish, but have eternal life. The good news is that Christ died to bring you to God's side. Christ died to bring you to the winning side. Christ died to bring you to the victorious side. God will pardon your sins and give you eternal life in heaven if you turn away from your sins and turn to Jesus to save you. Secondly, second application, endure patiently your present afflictions. Twice in the book of Revelation, John says, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments. And remain faithful to Jesus. Regardless of your view of the book of Revelation. It is a very true statement. This calls for patient endurance. On the part of the saints. We will be victorious. But we will be victorious. Through. Hard things. And we must expect. Things to be rough. Uh, We must be prepared to hold on. To endure to the end. Paul said, through much or through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said to us to overcome, to be overcomers. He said, we must overcome. And to overcome something means that there's obstacles, there's things in the way. And we are to overcome, to endure. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Hold on to what you have. Hold on, Jesus said. To him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. He who overcomes will be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you a crown. Of life. To be an overcomer or to overcome is simply to hold fast to Jesus through all the things that you are going through. No matter how difficult, no matter how trying, to over to overcome is simply to hold on, to hold fast to Jesus, to overcome because total victory is near. Paul wrote to the believers. In Rome, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I mean, it's, it's, it's as if he was saying to them, hold on. Hold on, guys. The God 
of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Is Satan doing something to you? Is Satan hindering you or oppressing you? Hold on. Endure. God will soon take care of it. It's in the Lord's hands. The victory belongs to him. Luther wrote, The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So we endure through our suffering of all kinds because we will not only survive, we will triumph with with great joy. Number three, practice spiritual optimism and hope. Our future is bright. I remember a statement made that I read about Oprah Winfrey years and years ago. It was a quote by her. And she said, uh, the future is so bright, it hurts my eyes. I mean, and she's talking about that. She's talking about her career. Something that's, that's going to not endure. Surely, we ought to be able to say that as saints. Our future is so bright, it hurts our eyes. The godly woman in Proverbs 31, it says that she smiles at the future. Saints, you can smile at the future. You can. No matter how things look, no matter how you may feel, we should be people who are smiling at the future. We should have this, we, we should exude this sense of spiritual optimism. And I believe if we drink, drink deeply of these truths, we will smile at the future. And you, know, you might find Revelation a very confusing book, and there may be a lot that you don't understand, but you cannot miss the sense of victory in the final outcome. And read it for that, if, no other, for, if for no other reason. We do need to drink deeply of these truths and have this inner sense of confidence that we are the victors. We might look like losers. Probably do. I know. I mean, I know there's. I know there's people that that uh, have thought some of the things I've done are very pathetic. We, others may think we're we're pathetic. They may think we're losers. But we are ultimate victors, and you should talk like that and think like that. You should carry a sense of victory in your heart because you know that you will reign forever with Christ. That's your destiny, and that's your future. I do not think it is right to talk about how bad things are in the world, in our culture, and in the church without also talking even more about how the church and Christ will triumph. Certainly, we acknowledge that there are problems in the world and in the church, but we should never focus so much on that that we become sort known as people who are despairing or pessimistic or downcast. We are not to despair or wring our hands or to lose our confidence. As the writer of Hebrews said, 
We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God's kingdom, the church, cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and worship God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Charles Spurgeon said, It is clear that the church must triumph. Some of us have been almost breaking our hearts as we look at the follies of the generation in which we live. All this we do mourn and grieve over. But let us not imagine that Christ's kingdom is suffering loss. Christ must reign. Be of good courage, you soldiers of the cross. Do not dream of defeat. Victory must come to the Lamb who was slain. Again, quote from Charles Spurgeon. Be of good courage. Do not dream of defeat. Victory must come to the Lamb who was slain. Fourth application. Uh, draw energy to work for the Lord from our certain victory. You know, nothing spurs on an athletic team as much so much as when they sense that victory is within reach. I mean, if they have no hope... It's really hard for a team to go out and do battle. Well, we have, we, have, we have more than hope. We have a certain hope. The glory that we see at the end of the race spurs us on. As 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You go out, And you run the race because there is a crown. You faithfully and energetically serve the Lord knowing that the victory is at hand. I'm going to close this morning by reading reading the words of a hymn. The church is one foundation. I ask you to listen carefully with me. The church is one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and his word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. Elect from every nation, yet one or all the earth, her charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food, And to one hope she presses with every grace endued. Though with a scornful wonder we see her sore oppressed, By schisms rent asunder, by heresies distressed. Yet saints their watch are keeping, their cry goes up, how long? And soon the night of weeping shall be the morn of song. Mid toil and tribulation and tumult of her war, she waits the consummation of peace forevermore. Till with the vision glorious, her longing eyes are blessed, and the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. Let's pray. Father, I believe that so many of us, without even knowing it, have such attitudes and spirits and feelings of 
defeat, of losers, of barely hanger hanging on, barely hanger honors, perhaps. I feel that there is such a sense of despair and pessimism in many ways throughout the church and among your saints. And in many ways, we are not even aware of it. I ask God that you would do a mighty surgery within our hearts and spirits. And may we drink deeply of the spirit of victory and of triumph, knowing who we are and who our Lord is, that this Jesus whom we serve is is not weak and helpless. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Lamb of God who is worthy of all glory and honor and power forever and ever. And he will reign and we will reign with him. Lord, I ask that by the work of your spirit, you would teach us this truth. May, may it be revealed to us. We can hear it, but may it be revealed to us in such a way that it becomes a part of our being, a part of our attitude, a part of our approach, a part of our outlook. That we would see that we overcome we are overcomers and will reign with Christ forever and ever. Thank you so much, Lord, for this victorious life and victorious future that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.